You're listening to the Sunday Messages Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Hey, let me try this again. Here we go. Merry Christmas. You can't say it soon enough. Christmas is something we celebrate once a year, but if we're a follower of Jesus, it is a reality every single morning. Mary is the day of the Lord because he came. The word Advent comes from the word coming. It means coming, and it is a time of great expectation as we celebrate the coming of the Lord, that God became flesh, that he made his home here with imperfect people like you and me. It is an amazing, joy-filled celebration, especially when there's not a lot of joy in our lives, especially when we're needing to hold on to something good in the midst of a lot of bad news. My friends, Merry Christmas. It is the season of joy, peace, and love. And today, it is a day of presents. We already came and celebrated these beautiful, precious little presents that have, uh, you know, given us so many good things and also given us so many sicknesses and allergies and shared all their germs and their needs with us. And we say glory, hallelujah, for all the little ones that have gotten us sick so far this this year. And uh, we do commit to helping them become beautiful sons and daughters, disciples of Jesus from little acorns to majestic and wonderful oak trees. That is what the conclusion of the Oaks Project, these 40 days of prayer is all about. We've been looking at this verse in Isaiah. We've been talking about plans and we've been praying for what God would have us give as an individual or a family. We've been looking at this verse in Isaiah where the first two chapters, it speaks to the good news of Christmas, that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. We already celebrated that uh, and, and worshiped that, that he came to bind the brokenhearted. And then in verse three, it says, they, those of us who call upon the name of the Lord will be called these oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This isn't so that we can show others how great we can be or how hard we can endure difficult or how well we can endure hard things, but it is to say we are here to display his splendor, the majesty, the grandeur of his splendor, that God can do wonders with little things and make them mighty things. I hope that you brought your commitment card this morning. If you didn't, no worries. We got you covered. I have a message for you this morning. And after that message, we're going to worship. We're going to have a time, a a reverent time where we will have an opportunity to come up forward and uh, present our envelopes and give the commitments that we have been praying over, asking God, what would you have me give to this project, Lord? And mom and dads, you can go and, and get your kids if you so choose to. You don't need to, but you can come forward as a family and present your commitment at the altar, at the foot of the feet, at the feet of Jesus. And uh, if you don't have one, ushers, we'll have some at the end, but we'll have time again to do that. Then here's what I want to focus in 
this morning. We've talked a lot, of, we talked about a lot of things. We looked at this passage in Isaiah. Then we looked at Jeremiah, where the people of God were in exile, and we saw that they were committed to sowing seeds, to planting seeds in three different areas. The first one is the family, that we are called to plant gardens, to have children, to build homes when we are in exile. That is now us here on earth, the window of life that we spend here. We're called to sow and invest in our families. If you're single, that doesn't exclude you. Quite the contrary, it includes You, because you are an extension of the nuclear family here, as we are all a family of God, which is the second area that we're called to sow and invest in. That is the church. It is a mystery, my friends, that God chooses imperfect people for his perfect purposes. He wants to use us to further his kingdom here on earth. Earth. And so we looked at how to do that uh, through, through many different ways. And then we looked at, okay, we're called to sow into our family. We're called to sow into the church. Now we're called to sow into the community. Those that have yet to call Jesus their Lord and their Savior. Those that are starving for nourishment in their lives. And the Oaks Project meets all of these things. It is about building strong families. It is about the emerging generations investing in our kids and in our middle school students and our high school students. And then it is for the community. We'll have many events in this new building, equipping, and then we'll also have this beautiful park where we can play pickleball for the glory of God. And we can have picnics and we can enjoy time after our gatherings to just be and not wait for 45 minutes to receive our food in the overfilled restaurants that now fill uh, uh, Central Texas. I'm not bitter at all. We can, we can enjoy being together. We can enjoy inviting our friends and family, moms, dads. You can bring your kids, grandparents, grandmas. You can bring your grandchildren. We can see a place where small seeds bless the generations to come. I am excited. It is December 10th, and I feel like Christmas is here today. I want to look at this verse in Acts 20. And it's Paul nearing the end of his time with the Ephesians. He later writes a letter to them, but he is now with them in the flesh. He is going to Jerusalem. He knows that he is going to be put in prison. Does not look good. And they have the most emotional farewell party. There is weeping and there is sobbing and there are hugs and kisses. That's right. Holy kisses like the rest of the world practices that we're still trying to catch on here in the States, but we'll get there. Uh, uh, and, And they're enjoying is the point being with Paul one last time. And one of his last things that Paul tells them is this. Jesus, he quotes Jesus and he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to pour out than to ask and, and, and have things given to you. And, and I read this and I thought, all right, where in the Gospels, Jesus, did you say this? And if you look, you won't find anywhere in the Gospels where these words have been spoken by Jesus. Now we know that had we compiled everything that Jesus said or did, the whole world couldn't fill those stories because it was so much. But here's what we know. We didn't hear these words. We see them in action. Jesus is the ultimate giver. And he spent his three years here on earth showing us how to give 
in the way that he gives, showing us that we are created in his image, meaning if he says it is more blessed to give than to receive, then either we trust him or we choose to trust our own understanding. My friends, this morning, we'll have an opportunity to do that. And I want to encourage us as Paul, as I read Paul's letter now to the church in Corinth, I'm going to be in Romans, I'm sorry, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in chapter 9, Paul shows off this group of churches in Macedonia. They're in Berea, they're in Thessaloniki, and they're in Philippi. And he tells the church in Corinth, these guys got it down. They know that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so he encourages Corinth to give in that way this morning. I want to encourage us that when we truly give the way that God wants us to give, we are filled with blessing and we are filled with joy. May we go out of here this morning knowing that we are in the presence of God where there is fullness of joy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul begins by writing this. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with what? With abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. So he's saying they don't have much. They don't need much when you have the joy of the Lord. They don't have much to give, but what they have, this joy, has caused in them this overflowing generosity. And so he's, again, showing off what these churches in Macedonia are doing to the church in Corinth. And here is the first way. We're going to go through six ways to give joyfully. The way that giving truly is more blessed and how giving truly brings more joy. And I love what he says in verse one, what God in his kindness has gone through the churches. He's not saying what the church in Macedonia has done. Hey, Corinth, those guys over there, they got, they, they got it going on. You got to compare. And uh, if you want to measure up, you got to over give what they're giving. He's not saying this. Who's he saying is doing the work? is God, his kindness through the church. If there is a way that you want to stifle joy in your life, try comparison. Try thinking, well, well I know that person's going to give more. I know that person's got a better gift. I know that person's going to do more. Mm -mm -mm. Nope. We focus on what God has already given to us and, and allow that to be the place from, from where we give. Here's the fun thing, Cypress Creek Church. You are an incredibly generous church, and I want to thank you. And in fact, I want you to give yourselves a hand for making 2023 the most fruitful year in the 30 years life of this church. Give yourselves a hand. This year, you gave... And church leadership, you've already heard this before, we're committed to giving 10% outside of the walls to our global and our local ministry partners. And in 2023, you gave outside of these walls. See, the church in Jerusalem was poor. They had a great physical and financial 
need and you gave $188,904.83 to missions in 2023. Thank you for overflowing with generosity and let's keep going. It is a mystery that the first thing that that says, how how do I have joy? Man, you got to give through the church. There's so many different ways to give so many different organizations, amazing Christian parachurch ministries. All of those are wonderful, but there's something specific. There's an avenue in a lane that God has given the local church that is anointed and special. And we hear Paul here saying, give through the church, for that is how God works. What is our need? Again, we have a good problem. We have too many children, too many little ones, and we have a lost and dying world out there. And that is the need that the Oaks Project has committed to need. We're, we're going to double our commitment in, in, or we're going to double down on our commitment on continuing to increase the amount that we give outside of the walls. But the Oaks Project is to build up strong families, build up the church and reach our community. Verse three. For I, Paul writes, can testify that they gave not only what they could afford. Again, they didn't have much, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. Can we just give a collective sigh? No guilt, no compulsion, no gotta. They were giving freely. In fact, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped For the first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. How do we give joyfully? We give freely. We've been praying for 40 days. Lord, what would you have me give? Not what can I give, but God, what, what do you want me to give? How are you asking me to raise my level of faith? I love here that it says that they first gave themselves to the Lord. They didn't first give to the need. They first gave themselves up to the Lord. And we're concluding that this morning as we come to the end of our 40 days of prayer. And they gave freely. I love this proverb. It's what they were modeling. One man gives freely, Proverbs eleven twenty four says, yet gains even more. One gives freely and has even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. See, the opposite of joy is hoarding, it's coveting, it's saying, I don't have enough, more, more, more. And he gives us the antidote to that by saying, hey, just release it. Just give it away freely, like you're about to give your presents to your kids, friends, and grandkids, even when they don't give you thanks or smile or say, that's it. When they open up your present, are you going to take it away? Uh Oh, we're thinking about it. Maybe take it away. I'll leave that up to you, mom and dads. If you're like, you know what? You don't deserve this gift. Praise be to God that Jesus gives us a free gift of grace. He doesn't wait for us to have our act together. Romans says that while we were still sinners, while we were acting like toddlers and infants, yelling and being ungrateful for the gifts that we've been given in Christmas, he, Christ, died 
for us. And again, praise be to God for those kids that already are grateful. And Lord, we want more of that in Jesus' name. So the thing is, though, you can't give what you have yet to receive. And that's where Paul goes in verse 8. I am not commanding you to do this. Again, give freely. But I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Is he talking about physical possessions? Is he talking about that car, that house, that boat, that wish list item? No, he's talking about this abundant joy that resides in the lives of believers, thanks to the Holy Spirit of God living in us. It's talking about life. It's talking about peace that transcends all understanding. That will make you and me rich, but it came at a cost. See, Jesus, the King of Kings, the Creator God, what does the proverb say? He owns the cattle on how many hills? Yeah, thousands and thousands of hills. He became sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we can be rich and commune and sit in God's presence and say, thank you, God, for this undeserving gift that you so freely give. And so we give responsively as a reaction of what he has already done for us, not in order to, not so that we can receive more, so that we can be rich in any way, but, but because of his grace, we give responsively. That is so crucial. Matthew 10, he's talking to his disciples. He's saying, hey, you've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen cure those with leprosy. You've seen me cast demons. And so now he says, freely receive, now freely give. What you've seen modeled, go and do. What you've received, give away. It's the gospel way. It's the Jesus way. There's nothing that we could have done to earn everlasting life. We cannot have measured up, not the best of us, not if we put our, all of our resumes together, but Jesus so lavishly gave us his grace. The problem is that sometimes we, we, we tweak that and we take this religious mentality that the Pharisees had in that day. See, they loved to give. They love to come up forward and, and they gave golden envelopes and they robed flashy robes and they said, I am better than all of you. I serve God better. I give God more. And he calls them out. Jesus does in Matthew 23 and says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He's saying it's a both and not an either or. We don't just give or don't just display love, mercy, faithfulness, and justice. It's both. By the way that we give, we show our heart for God in the same way as our way, uh, in the same as, as how we give. So the point is, it's not about religion. It's not about earning. It's about giving responsively. Moving on in verse 11, he says, Now you should finish what you started. 
Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. I love this. He's talking about uh, helping each other out. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. He's talking about giving eagerly and with consistency. Giving eager, uh, eager, consistent. We need, we need eager consistency through the Oaks Project because who remembers the day they saw those renderings and the day we saw the park and the day we saw the ooh and the ah, and this would be awesome. And now it's Christmas season and we're counting how much we're going to spend on this and that. And we're like, I don't know if I can, you know, and next year, who can knows what the world will do in a year? This is by faith. It's an eager gift that we are committing to. And we're also doing it with consistency. We will come alongside you as the leaders and, and we will kindly uh, underline that word, kindly remind you of your commitment of saying, hey, do you remember? You know, but it is between you and the Lord. We, we want to give eagerly and we want to give consistently. That is what Paul is asking them to do. And here's the thing. Life's going to happen. Two-year commitment. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. How are we going to know what's going to happen a year from now? What if, what if, what if you can play that in your mind? Here's what I want to tell you. If you're a part of this church family, you're not going to be alone. If you're a part of this church family, when needs come up, we are committed to helping each other out through that. Amen, somebody? That's what we're here to do. That's why we do community groups. That's why we get smaller in those groups so that we can really know what's going on and meet the needs of those in our neighborhoods and in our small groups. So we give with eager consistency. All right, Paul goes on and says, verse 20, we're traveling together. So he's, we is, is the leaders. He says, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. Honor is a big thing here. It's a big theme. And so we, as a church family, are committing to do this honorably. By that, I mean your overseers have already said, we're doing this debt-free. The amount that the Cypress Creek Church family commits to giving to this will be the scope of the project. We're not going to go into debt over this. We didn't go into debt when we raised funds for this building in the late 90s. Who, man, those 90s, those were the glory days. Can we bring those 90 prices back? I wish. So we did that then, and by God's grace, we're doing that again this year. Your overseers want to do this honorably, transparently. Oaks at cypressreechurch.com is the web address. Oh, I'm sorry, it's the email link. Ask questions. Let's, let's watch God do something fun as we do this honorably. And also us individually. We're called to honor God with the way that we spend our money. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I won't go into that again, but I have this slide. Here is God's order of how we are called to steward our finances. We give first because he first gave to us. We have time, we have talents, we have positions that have allowed us to work 
that we receive some sort of income. All the gifts come from him. And so we want to give back to him first. And uh, then just like we're giving him the first day of our week, Sunday, that's why the church gathers on Sunday so that we can start the week together. And then we save and then we pay our bills and then we spend. We want to make sure that what the world says, no, spend first, ah, pay your bills after you, you know, got all your, uh, all your many different, what are they called? Uh, um, oh gosh, what are they now? We don't have cable. We have streaming services. Goodness. Streaming services are now twice the price of cable. If you, even when you bundle them anyway, so you save and then you give, no, you got to give first, save bills, and spend, and uh, we're called to give honorably. And then in verse six of chapter nine, we're flipping the page here in 1 Corinthians nine, Paul exhorts them. He says, hey, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get what? A generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Who's cheerful this morning? Who's joyful this morning? Who's ready to go this morning? I got one more story before we pray and uh, give cheerfully. Let's put these points on the board, though, first. We give through the church. We give freely because he first gave to us, so we give responsively. We give with eager consistency, honorably, and cheerfully. What a time to be alive. This year has been unreal. It is believable now that we're at the end of the year seeing over 110 people give their lives to Christ and model that through baptism and he and outside of these doors and then in creeks and rivers and pools all over multiple counties. Unreal to see what we've been able to partner with our global ministry partners to accomplish. Last week, we are celebrating the transition of leadership in our partner church in Mexico. God is up to so many things. Let us be of good cheer. This is a great time to be alive. Christmas story, Luke chapter two. Many of us know that the angel Gabriel came to Mary and gave her this beautiful promise that she was going to carry the savior of the world. You know what happened to Joseph. He had a bit of a deal, but he figured it out. Angel helped them out with that too. And then you know about the shepherds who were called upon by um, angels and were just amazed at the idea that, that God would show his plan to, to these lowly people down on the lower of the income bracket, the shepherds, not the rulers, but them. And then Jesus is brought in verse 21 of Luke 2 to the temple by his mom and dad. It says this, after circumcision, he was given the name Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. And then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And you may have, what on earth does this have to do with what we're about to? Here's, here's what I heard when I read this passage. 
Think about this. Jesus became flesh at Christmas and he was entrusted to two imperfect people, a mother and a father who loved the Lord and wanted to raise them up in the ways that God had instructed. And so that's why they went to the temple. In the book of Leviticus, we read, this is what you did back then as a Jewish man and a woman. You gave sacrifices for your firstborn son. And we kind of did that this morning already. Where we presented these beautiful gifts, these presents, these children. And we said, Lord, here, here they are back to you. That's not what got me. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, baby dedication, Oaks Project, Generations, got it. Here's the part that got me. It says they offer the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, if you go back and follow the hyperlink in Leviticus, that is what a poor family would give. If you had more means, do you know what you would give as a sacrifice? A lamb. So here is the son of God, the lamb of God who came to wash away the sins of the world. And his mom and dad can't even afford a lamb as they're dedicating back to him. Did God receive the offering? You betcha. He doubled, tripled, quadrupled to a millionth degree that offering. When John 3, 16, he gave his one and only son. Way more precious than two turtle doves. Way more precious than a lamb, he gave his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And he is alive through this church. Let us give back to him, whether two turtle doves or two young pigeons. I want to encourage you to give joyfully. Maybe that means getting a commitment card. If you're new, go ahead and uh, raise your hand. Folks will all well, pray and then you can raise your hand and, and our ushers will be able to give you a commitment card. Maybe you need a new commitment card. You, you want to change your number. You can scratch out. You can also give online via the ccc.guide. So many ways that we can give, but just know this. This is the season where we have received the best present of all, and that is the presence of our Creator and our Savior, Jesus. I want to pray the prayer that David prayed in First Chronicles. If you're able, bow your heads and let's pray this together. Praise be to you, Lord. The God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you 
and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We do say thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity that you have given us. December 10th, 2023, an exciting day for you because this is all about you. We're giving back to you. And we thank you that you see our commitment, no matter what it is, as precious. Say all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take your time. Worship team is going to play two songs. Whenever you're ready, again, you can go get your children if you so desire. Come up in an act of reverence and honor here. Put your envelopes at the front of the altar. We will also have people here to pray. If, if you need to receive prayer for anything, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ and declare him your Lord and your Savior, please come forward and uh, there will be people here to pray. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.